Running Sentences presents Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 2, Part 3 Dark Space A line of ships finds itself headed for dark space in search of this treasure, while Cordad and company find themselves stuck in the politics of the situation. This story is written and narrated by Michael Henry. It is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, events, characters, businesses, realistic or fictional, is purely coincidental. Copyright 2023, Michael Honoré. All rights reserved. Approaching the gate to leave the castle grounds, Tulis had taken the lead, strolling as she was eager to get out of there. Their forward momentum would come to a crashing halt as the metal gates came crashing down in front of them, and two guards popped out of somewhere. Ma'am, President, uh, Volo and other person, we can't let you leave. What do you mean? Uh, apologies. Mr. President, uh, actually, the rest of you can leave except for Volo and uh, the Princess. Of course, unresolved family problems, thanks to the loving parents. Is that all that is the matter? I, I don't know, I wasn't told. I'm only following orders to keep that one here. Then you lied. I didn't lie? What did I lie about if I did it, by the way? Three hands pointed towards Volo. You said she had to stay. Uh, I figured since she was part of the guards here, she should stay. No reason to leave when we need everyone here. Are you preparing to defend the castle from your own people or something? Is that what this is all about? Surprised by this, the guard looked to their associate who remained standing upright and firm but not saying anything. There would be no help coming from them. I have not been informed of any such plans. My job is to guard, and I wouldn't be privy to any such information. If you want to take it up with the royals, then feel free to do so. When you make a proper appointment with them, I think. Uh, yes, if they take you. Um, but that's all I have to say on this. Well, I'm leaving. No, you're not. Yes, I am. The guard signaled to the gate behind them that was shuttered. Fine, we're walking away then. Spinning on her foot, Tulis turned and ushered everyone out of the gate area. She pulled them just off to the side and away, making sure that they weren't noticed. Tulis then turned to Volo. You need to stink me out of here. I don't know if I can, Princess. Uh, well, I'm pretending not to hear any of this. Mr. Utility, should we try and get out the front gate now? Yes, I think that would be a good idea, Mr. Cordite. You're abandoning me? Cordite half turned to leave. No, Princess, we're not abandoning you, merely making our escape so we don't interfere with your escape. The less we know, the less that can get you in trouble later on. Tulis watched as they depart with a bit of a pit in her stomach. This was not what she needed right now, but she steeled herself and looked back to Volo. You are capable of getting out of here, right? Uh, yes, but you are known to most of the guards. You won't be able to just walk out. I could have if I dressed like one of you, just wearing a helmet of some sort. We don't do helmets. They attract attention and will 
The insides can be a bit noisy since it is just metal. Tulus grabbed Volo's arm and began dragging her further away. We will think of something, but I'm not staying here, not while my parents are acting mysterious. Are you really going to go against them, princess? They threw me out. Of course I'm going against them. First they don't want me, now they don't want me to leave. What the fuck is up with that? All Volo could do was shrug as she was pulled along. Cordite took his time walking down the walkway from the castle gate to the actual town itself, a sprawling place that went far beyond what eyes could see and seemed to circle the entire planet. Almost, anyway, did not cover the entirety entirety, but from what he'd seen from space, it covered quite a lot of it except for the bodies of water. Uh, what are you planning to do about the princess, or with the princess? Help where I can, President. Are you sure that's wise? It'll probably get us in trouble. Chasing treasure isn't wise either, yet you seem hellbent on doing that. So, I could turn my attention to there if you wish, or, or let you go on your merry way towards it once you've completed everything you're supposed to do here. They'd been walking side by side, but Utility paused at this. I do need you for that treasure. What for? Pirates can get to it, and I've been holding on to a few secrets that you don't know about when it comes to that treasure. Roughly, Nero was pushed through an open doorway into a small apartment. It was not furnished in any shape, giving him no options for weapons he could use against these people who were being so rough with him. He'd been pushed further into the room and, and was soon followed by Francis and Mott, who were not shoved. Why are they getting special treatment? Nero had turned to confront the ones who had grabbed him when he'd landed. They looked like plain-clothed civilians to him, but his two companions in this little adventure acted like their kidnappers were some sort of cops. We were to keep you safe, that's what we're doing. Safe from who, and how does shoving me into a room keep me safe? That kind of thing leads to danger and injury. Volo. Volo? What's she got to do with this? And you're telling me it isn't an act by my parents? The door was closed, and the person who had brought them here had cut off any further conversation. Nero charged his way towards the door to kick and yell at it, but found his way blocked. The arms of Mott and Francis had crossed in front of him, stopping forward movement. What do you two think you're doing? I am a prince. Disgraced, former prince. You don't have a say in things right now. No banging on the door do any good. It's just a waste of energy. How would you know that? Because I've gone through something similar and it took me nowhere other than exhaustion and also tortured. Mott shot Francis a disapproving look for that last bit. I know, Volo. She's a guard and she isn't about to torture us. At least you wouldn't do it that to me unless my parents ordered it, I guess. You two, though. Good luck, because you're pirates, and so you will be tortured. That's good to hear, and makes me believe that we're being kept safe and away from things instead of being put in danger. You think that, pirate? You don't know how things work here and how dreadful all the politician and political creatures are. They muck with whoever will do anything. They try and destroy and create problems for anyone as long as it will get them some power. 
hurting us wouldn't get that for them right now. You saw it on the news screen. A piece is being worked on. Nero spat off to the side and wandered away. If these fools wanted to believe such things, that was fine. He wasn't as stupid to buy that bullshit. Reluctantly, Volo had brought Tulis to the guard station under the castle. It was where all the soldiers and guards stationed stayed. She'd wrapped her friend up in some old uniforms, but they were still getting stares. This is the way out, right? Shush, we don't need people hearing your voice. You already look silly with a scarf around your face. God, Volo, what are you doing? Volo snapped to attention and automatically turned to face her captain. Showing this one around the area, sir. Why? It's an assignment I was given. Even saying the words didn't feel right, and the look on the captain said he didn't exactly think so either. There was a raised eyebrow that looked like it wanted to run off of his face. You want to try that again? Not really, no. Uh, might only make things worse. What am I supposed to do with that information? It's like you're asking me to look further into matters. I would say something more, but uh, would you really want to get tangled up in the matter? She moved to the side, pushing further towards the hallway that would lead to the passageway out. The captain moved to try and block it while looking over at Tulis. She remained silent and kept looking away. What are you doing, Volo? Escorting a person through the premises to get them where they need to go, which is out of here with as little fuss as possible. Give me a good reason to let you walk away. He leaned in when he'd said this and looked her straight in the eyes. If we don't, then the castle will become a place where a lot of yelling will occur. It's best to leave it at that. We know you don't want to have the troops kept up and awake because of a yelling match. Captain Mack was now seriously studying to listen and shook his head. You couldn't think of a better disguise for her? We're making do with what we have. She isn't being allowed outside of the walls, and you remember how much yelling went on between her and her parents last time. Yes, yes, the great yelling match argument of a few years ago. No one around here got much sleep. I guess I'm looking the other way. I also don't want to see you at all for the next few days, Volo. If I do catch you around here, well, it's not going to be pretty. She nodded, and off her and Tulis went. Past one final gate, Cordite and Utility found themselves now standing by a street. The presidential carriage was in front of them, and the street was clear of any traffic though there were quite a few groggians on the sidewalks staring and gathered round to look at them, to look at utility. He would offer them a wave as they moved towards the carriage. Remember, don't get lost out there and uh, make me have to come find you. Yes, and you need me, though you have plenty of pirates at your disposal, including those odd two you have aboard the ship. You suspect those two of something, like being pirates? Cordite shrugged as he moved off to find a spot to be out of the way. The president soon left with the crowds dispersing or following him as he went off. Traffic soon resumed on the road, and Cordite found himself looking around for a potential place where Tulis might come out. There was nothing close to the walls, so he began heading for the road in search of somewhere else. 
It didn't take much to find the tunnel that led out of the castle and hurried along that corridor. It was a well-lit half-dome shape that came to an abrupt end, halfway through it, at an iron gate with two soldiers on either side of it. Tulis slowed to allow Volo to take the lead and to do the talking again. The soldiers who were on the side, who were on this side facing them, crossed their long spears, blocking any way forward as they approached. Hold! No halting, we need to get through here. Why? Important information needs to be sent out at once. Why come this way then? The street would be better, would they not? In this situation, an alert we're in, and I can't tell you what exactly that informa- the information I have is. Do you get what I'm implying? The guard took a moment, studying Volo very hard, and before looking over at Tulis, and then at the other guards. The group of soldiers huddled for a moment, then broke apart. Whose orders are you under for this mission? Tulis nestled up forward and just pulled back her scarf. It is my orders. You're the princess? Yes, I need to get out of here to deliver an important message to those keeping the peace right now. We do not want a rebellion on our hands. She said this with far more confidence than she had, and had pulled her hands behind her back to hide the fact that they were shaking and trembling a whole lot. I don't know if I can trust that. Uh, Let me send a signal down the line and see if we get a response. There is no time, guard. Missions need to be accomplished, and we need to get out of here. Peace is in the balance. Please listen to me. I have orders. Consider this a new order from up high. My orders to protect this kingdom. The other soldiers who hadn't said anything looked to each other uncomfortably. They'd moved away so that they would not get involved in this whole matter. I'm sorry, but I must insist. With that, the soldier had done all of the talking and began moving off towards the side. There was a little building built in the side of the tunnel, a rest area of some sort, cut off, and there was one on each side. It was firmly ignored by Tulis, as she stepped up to the others, who were trying to go on notice, still. Let us through, please. What? We have an important message from the princess to deliver. Let us through. There was some apprehension, and tired of all of this, Tulis charged towards the gate, hoping it wasn't locked. Her shoulder hit the metal bars, and it didn't give way. And she sort of clanged off of it. A step back showed that the whole thing looked rather unaffected by this, and she sighed as the loud reek sounded, and slowly the metal barred wall that separated the tunnel into two began to tip backwards. It gained a little momentum, and then crashed its way down, falling onto the other side of the tunnel, trapping two soldiers under it. Come on, let's go, Tulis. Aye. Tulis didn't listen to the other guard, and began running as hard as she could. This is against regulations. You can't stop us. We need the message to get out of there. The original soldier emerged from the rest area, and both watched as Tulis and Volo ran off. Neither of them really trying to do anything to stop it. Keeper was happy with the quiet that was now over his prison cell aboard the GCS cruiser Bruiser. He was busy trying to think of what he knew when he heard the sound of footsteps coming from the hallway. He straightened up and looked towards the cell doors to see who it was. 
When utility appeared, he frowned at the sight. I don't have anything to say to you. I don't have anything to tell you. Really? Demon is cooperating, telling me lots. You will be left out of things if you don't help. You can pop my head off at any moment. I choose now to have you do it. So do it. End me. You want me to kill both my sources of information. How amusing that you think I told you the truth. Anyway, you'll be thrown out of the airlock in a few hours anyway. Uh, for our amusement. I wouldn't... I wanted to touch base to see if they're the one whose grandparents and family were involved in hiding the damn treasure. Wanted to chat. Demon has a big mouth. Sorry. Evoc has a large and stupid mouth. Utility shrugged at this as Keeper got off. He went to stand closer to the cell bars to get a look at the president. There was something that felt off and didn't know what it could be. Upon getting up there and close enough, he could see an odd sheen to the skin. You, you're not really here, are you? Mm, oh no, we'll spot it, I guess. Couldn't be here in person since uh, there are important things going on. That, that will delay our hunt for the treasure, which is why I'm being lenient with you. So cooperate. You get more of a chance to cooperate. Or I guess you get more of a chance to be tossed away in a few days. You can toss me. You think we won't find it without you? I don't care one way or another. I'm done being used. This is all some sort of weird game you're playing. Oh yes, potentially yes. If you could clarify one thing though, Zol. Your parents were of the Diamond family, weren't they? The famed people who went missing inside Grogging space? They may have been, yes. What of it? Well, it's just that we picked up a report from a distress ship that was headed in the same area your parents disappeared. It could be nothing, or it could be the gold everyone is searching for in that area. But we do know it was pirates going into that area, and they had a big ship. But who knows? Maybe you don't want to be involved any in returning the treasure to your family. There was a moment hesitation came on the part of Keeper, who knew the spot where the disappearances had happened. He'd been there more than a few times in his search for answers, and had never really come up with anything solid. You expect me to start talking because of that comment? You don't really want to die, and all I want is information. I won't help you. Because I'm working with Cordite. No, yes, but no. Because whatever it is there is dangerous and will kill everything, according to what I have on this matter. Do you want to walk into death? Are you afraid of it? Death, I mean. For the pirate, that seems rather counter to all that you do. It's all risking little rewards for your efforts. And often, death. Keeper waved him away with a dismissive wave of his hand. Of course a politician wouldn't understand where he's coming from. The fool probably didn't know anything about danger. I have nothing to offer you. Send me to the airlock or whatever. Utility shrugged and then vanished away. Keeper took a second to register this, and then went back to his bed to sit down. Who would know how to get past the black ooze? Another pirate, potentially. 
but they would have to have some kind of connection to the old family of pirates. And this likely meant pirate kings, or at least someone associated with them. It could also be one of the long lines of pirates who told the tales to their kids. Or maybe luck was all it took. He didn't like the idea of any of it or all of it. Ophelia had led the two intruders into a nearby meeting room, a simple place that had a militaristic feel to it of just enough done to make it nice, but not nice nice. She took a seat on the far end of the table while the two took up seats on the opposite side, removing their helmets as they did. A ghastly white wrinkled face appeared when they did with plenty of aged spots all about their faces. You won't release my ship, then, I take it? No, uh, in order to fly through this area, your ship must be fixed first. Any wrong move will send you crashing into a planet or a moon or anything that decides to float in your way. Lovely. And the other ships that are about to come through? If they get through, there's a fleet that might be able to help them. First, they'd have to get there, get through though, and survive the pull of this place. Not liking the sound of that, Ophelia thought of the thousands of potential ships cruising in here without any signs of warning, only to find themselves crushed, destroyed, whatever would happen to them in this place. Though, she really did question how they would know where to come, and if that this was the right place. Is there any treasure here? The one who had done most of the speaking and called himself Lewis turned to his companion. They sat with a grim frown on their face. It was hard to tell, but it looked feminine amongst all of the wrinkles that covered the alien. It has been lost to the ages. This is the place, though, where pirates hid what they had? Yes. Not expecting that answer, Ophelia found herself sitting back in her chair. What to do now? They seemed to be answering questions, and helpful, sort of, but there were also this defensiveness and invasion of her ship. It didn't sit right. Why did you break into my ship if you were trying to help us? It was to, to help you out because you didn't send out a signal that you were alright, so we came to check on you. She eyed them carefully, though, since this felt of, like an excuse of an answer. What could she do about it, though? It doesn't really seem terrible, but, uh, hmm. Disconnect from my ship. We will take our chances. We cannot do that. It would put your crew in danger. Rising from her chair, Elphilia grimaced at the two of them. You put my crew in danger and presented no evidence that any of this could happen. It's your word about all of this, and I don't trust it. You have twenty minutes to get every one of your soldiers off of my boat. You don't understand this. I understand enough. You keep coming up with words to buy time for whatever it is you're doing or planning. You're a pirate, right? Well, we are part of that pirate lineage who also sought the treasure of fairy tales. We will help only pirates in this desolate area, and we are offering our help to you. We already knew you were pirates, simply by the way your ship was. 
This caused Ophelia to pause once again, but she shook her head no as she went to the door. Cordite had found a quiet spot off the road and onto the side street to hide himself. His current worry hinged around the idea of actually meeting up with Tulis again. Why he'd actually want to, he wasn't sure of himself. Maybe he'd grown fond of her or something. He wasn't sure, and he was just sort of thinking. The thought made him shake his head as he looked about and found a police officer or some sort of official in front of him with a nice uniform barging into his space. What are you doing? A uh, friend of mine wanted to meet up and I lost where they wanted to do that. Uh, they gave us the incredibly helpful suggestion of saying a side street in this section of town. In this section of town, did they? Well, we split up uh, and said we'd meet somewhere around here. Apologies, yeah, you can probably tell I'm not from here. Your looks give that away, alien. How oh, terrible for me. By the way, I was with the Galactic President Utility, so if you're thinking of doing something, I would advise against it. The man who'd confronted him broke out in a broken sort of smile. He'd probably heard plenty of excuses before and wasn't buying this one. There was a club-like thing in his hand, in several of his hands, that were now sort of being prepared and readied for whatever was to come next. I don't care nothing about any of that sort of thing. Of course you wouldn't. Then will me saying I know how to fight warn you off of trying things? The grin on the officer only seemed to grow. Nah. Well, we need to have a chat here and now with money, then. There was a cracking of knuckles of the free hands. that was heard which drew Cordite to look at the officer's hands. They were big, worn, abused, and probably had seen more than a few fights, those that were free of any clubs anyway. My job is to take any aliens and folks into the station when they are, aren't places, when they are found in places where they don't belong. Define belong. I already told you I have a reason to be here, so just make sure we're on the same page. You don't have the right look. There was a step forward, which Cordite figured was supposed to be menacing, but it lacked that gravitas. Cordite? The voice behind him made Cordite freeze up for a moment. He suspected if he turned to look that would give the officer the chance that they were looking for to strike him, and thankfully the office, uh, the voice sounded like the princess's, so if it was somebody else, it was in danger, and if it was the princess... Well, maybe he was lucky. Bit busy at the moment with a not-so-nice officer. He seems to think I don't belong here. Well, with your looks, you definitely don't. Not helpful. Lolo and Tulis were soon flanking on either side of him. I'm the security guard for the castle. This one is cleared to be in this area. We have an and we are needed elsewhere, and he is to be taken there at once. Leave him with me. There was a bit of a disappointed look from the police officer. There was a bit of a guarded, disappointed look from the officer. That was that they were losing out on their prey. 
What's your name, then, soldier? I can't let you go without checking in with the proper up-and-ups. They'll have a name for you, won't they? Godvola Brumstop of the Grogian Castle Guards. You are? Of the code of the local watch. You promised to keep this one, and I suppose this other one under your watch? Yes, and they aren't staying around here in the first place. Can we go? Kurt had pulled out a notepad from his pocket and jotted down her name. Not yet I need these two names. Cordite Mercury and Mrs. Jewel Thomas. I need to hear it from her, please. Tulis shot Cordite a look, but was quick to look back at the officer. I guess Jewel Thomas is my name. It was written down as Kurt looked at them over warily and stepped aside. None of the three wasted any time in moving out, out of the side road and disappearing from view. The king had retired for the evening to get better dressed for the late supper he and his wife were to enjoy. He was at his dresser with his workers busy taking off clothes and redressing him in more appropriate ones. What's happened to my daughter, by the way? Which one, my lord? The one at the negotiations. I don't care about the ones in line to inherit the throne at the moment. She's called Hulis, in case you forgot. Well, she was stopped from trying to leave, but after that she vanished. You lost my daughter. There was a heavy tugging at his back, which was to make sure his shirt was straight and tight. I did not know, sir. Someone else on your staff might have. How would she have gotten out of here? There was a rather heavy silence, since none of the workers had a response. Someone get a search party out into the streets and make sure they're quiet. I don't want this getting out. One of the military attaches stepped forward with a bow. As you wish, sir, but I have a question for Clarity's sake. Why do you want her? The king turned to look to his attaché, a Sir Block, if he remembered the name, and he scowled at the Grogian soldier, who should know asking questions was not a good thing. I need to know why she is here after all of this, and all we said to her, my wife, thinks she is up to something, and might undermine our plans. I do not want that. Understood, sir, but, uh... If you have some bait that would entice her to return, it would be better than forcing her. Of that, the king frowned. His mind was trying to come up with, to think up of something that would work out, but kept coming up blank. Figure out a lie on your own. I don't have time to do your work for you. The attaché nodded and slipped away from the room. A knock on the apartment door made Francis look up in surprise. He'd figured at some point there would be a knock on it, but this soon, neither Mont nor Nero seemed to be paying attention, so he went over to the door, coughing a little bit, to disguise his voice, trying to make it pitch up and change a bit. Who is it? Volo of the Guards. I don't know of Volo of the Guards. Your voice acting is shit, Francis. 
Despite the insults, Francis grinned and tried to open the door. It was locked from the outside. You have to open the door. It appears it's locked in here. Hold on a minute. There was a sound of jingling metal and footsteps. Francis turned to see a tired Nero appearing behind him, rubbing his eyes. Are we getting food? Potentially. Well, we have visitors, though, who are coming in here at least to talk. About what? The door opened inward and sent them back a few steps as three people came in. In a moment, Tulis had her arms wrapped around her brother in a deep hug. Overall, this is apparently a family reunion. Cordite shook his head at Francis, who wryly watched as the two siblings then turned to his friend to see this. It is, and there's complicated matters going on, Francis. The government is up to something here, and the Galactic One is on a treasure hunt for some reason. Well, I hope you have time to explain this to me and what's going on, then. Not sure about the part of having any time, as everything here seems to be happening at once. The other lady, dressed in a fine uniform, kept checking outside the door for something. Is there a problem, miss? Always when it comes to the government and whatever they want, Miss Tulis suspects... Her parents are trying to wrestle back power, I think, and uh, Miss Volo will be searching for her soon, and now that we've mentioned it, here, in fact, they come. End of Part 3 of Pirates, Politics, and Potentially Treasure, Book 2 Thank you for listening.